welcome to Healthcare Du Jour, where we dish up and digest the latest in healthcare. For the next 30 minutes, sit back as we bring you insight, commentary, and discussion on trending topics to the table, all expertly served up by our host and his guests. Healthcare Du Jour is brought to you by Carium, the telehealth platform enabling healthcare's digital transformation, helping you care for people within the fabric of their daily lives. Now here's your host, Matt Fisher. Welcome back, and thank you for joining as we dive into the hottest topics in healthcare. I'm your host, Matt Fisher. On the menu today is Rich Steinle, CEO of Carium. Rich, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be with you today. So, Rich, this is actually exciting. This is the first in-person one of these recordings that I'm doing. And, you know, I think for listeners of the show, they'll know that Carium is, is the sponsor for the show. So it's also great to have you as the head of Carium on. But, you know, what I always like to do before getting into the main part of the discussion is give you a chance to provide more of an introduction in terms of who they are, who you are, and what you do. So, Rich, the floor is yours. Who am I and what do I do? Uh, well, it's, it's great to be here with you again, Rich Steinle. I have the privilege of serving the Carrium team as CEO. Uh, what do I do? Um, well, I'll tell you what. I come from, to Carrium from a career uh, in managed care, working with physicians, health systems, and payers, particularly uh, focused on moving them uh, from the old fee-for-service models into value. Um, what attracted me to Carrium, first of all, was the people. I began my time here as an advisor uh, to the executive team, and particularly to the market teams, um, as I met the founders, saw their vision for Carrium, and then specifically what they had created. Um, I felt like they had built what I'd been trying to source for my position networks for many decades. And when I decided to embark on a new opportunity, I thought this is the place where I want to spend my time. And I've been nothing but thrilled since I've been here. So before getting into the, some of those ideas that you just raised, you know, I'm always interested to know what first got you into the healthcare field. It's a great question. Um, I began my career building a lot of government systems for vulnerable populations. So we were building uh, welfare systems, welfare eligibility, um, working on getting folks back to work working on systems that managed um, some pretty heavy things, the abuse and neglect of uh, children and the elderly for large state governments. And um, I would say that was a, an interesting precursor to my time um, moving into healthcare and helping manage the pop populations of the most vulnerable among us. And so moving into Medicare, Medicaid, dual eligible uh, populations, that's how I originally got into it. Then I started working on the physician side of things, um, working with the care providers themselves. Uh, then again, into some partnerships with payers and health systems. So kind of the entire care continuum and the payment models that supported it. And a lot of, as you know, that, that requires some enabling technology along the way. Um, health tech has a pretty rocky and choppy history. Um, and so uh, I feel like I've, dived in and piloted about a thousand of those different tool sets. And so, you know, really knew what I was looking for and knew what the providers of healthcare um, need to help them do their jobs better. And what's just sort of an extraneous burden uh, and a burden adder. And so that's really where Carrium stood out to me. Yeah, so I guess that kind of raises the natural next question. You're Given the experience you described in that, you know, you said you came to Carrium because you felt it had built what you had been looking for for your physicians. Mm -hmm. What had you been looking for and what what did you see that the market had a need for? Yeah, sure. So I think one of the things that's hard about healthcare in general is it's very siloed. 
whether it's siloed by disease, condition, place in the care continuum. Um, it's a lot of times siloed by funding sources, uh, coding, those type of things. And so the, the health tech solutions tend to mirror that or they reflect it. Um, so what we ended up with was when you wanted to do a particular thing, say you wanted to do chronic case management or uh, disease management, remote monitoring, anything like that, you tended to have to go and find a solution that did just that. And so that's how they were built. That's how we ended up taking them in. And so what it ends up is you have this bolted together ecosystem where every tool does one thing. Um, and really, I'll speak from the provider perspective, what they think of that is, well, wow, you just made my job a lot harder. You know, I, I got into this to see patients to care for their health, and now you've just added eight tools to my day. Um, and so we saw a lot of that. Um, and then I would say during the pandemic, one of the things that happened with all of that technology is it actually got hyper-focused on chasing patients, is the way I phrase it. Uh, what I mean by that is because the patients couldn't come in, because you couldn't meet someone in a brick and mortar, you know, facility type setting, then there was this panic of how do we chase those patients out to where they are? And really what mostly was behind that was because that's the only way we're going to get paid for it. Okay. And, and that's a reactive, very unstrategic reason, uh, you know, to go meet a patient where they are. And so that's what happened. What that did was it was an explosion of even more tools, even more silos. And today in the industry, we call them point solutions. It's a popular, popular phrase. And so coming out of the pandemic, we just have this glut of things that were thrown at the patients and thrown into the industry. And so, you know, I think that's what's going on. That's uh, what has created the situation where we are right now. And what that doesn't do is take a patient and say, who are they? What do they need? What are their health concerns? And how do you tie them into this intimate and sacred relationship with their care provider, right? And, you know, I, I like to say a lot of times uh, to about patients that they're not a disease state. They're not a set of codes. They're not a stack of medical bills, right? They're a whole person that happens to have these, this set of things uh, to deal with in their health journey. And that's what Carrion was created from the beginning to do. Um, and so now in the aftermath of this rush of solutions, um, we believe that its ability to put all of that together and sort of deal with the patient in a holistic manner with a holistic platform is what sets us apart. It, so you're just going to use the word platform. And I know you were kind of describing leading up to that describing as you know creating a holistic place where you're bringing together a lot of different point solutions right but you know do you think the market understands what a platform is or does it there is a definition still required and if a definition is required what would you assign to it give you one yeah do i think the market understands what a platform is not really right um and to be fair uh to folks in the market I actually challenge our teams a lot with that too, right? When we, I think when sometimes we get too comfortable talking about having a holistic health platform, I challenge our teams and say, okay, great, tell me what that means. Uh, and it is, it's hard to, it's hard to define because what we try to do with it is we say, well, it's a lot of these things put together. I think that's one place we start. And then we say a lot of what it isn't. 
right? And that gets into, it's not just this or just that or just that. What I would say um, at its best, what a platform does is, I would say it isn't a tool, it's a way to put the caregiver's medicine front and center, right? And tee that up for, again, a seamless relationship with the patients that they're serving. So one of the things that I say to our team about the best technology is that it should be invisible. And I really believe that. If Carium does its job, the only things that should come to the forefront are the patient, the provider, and what they need to do together to improve their health. On the, on the facility and provider side, what are some of the other things we do? Well, I would still say it's improving health. We improve the health of the organization. We reduce work for, workforce needs. Uh, we reduce workforce uh, burnout. We automate extraneous tasks. We let everyone work at the top of their license. So we're improving the health of the provider side of that equation, improving the health in measurable ways on the patient side of it. And we're just bringing those two things together. If Carium is anything else in the visible spectrum, then we're just adding burden. And, and that's what we're trying to really create here. And you know what our patients and our customers are telling us is you're doing that. You're allowing me to connect in this way. That's really all we mean by patient engagement, right? It's a buzzword, but are you engaging with your patient in a real meaningful way? That doesn't have anything to do with tool sets, doesn't have anything to do with um, things that people don't need to understand about the healthcare system and just puts them front and center with someone that's caring for them. And I think kind of a key thing that you just kind of slipped in there was that there's feedback from the patients on that front. Mm -hmm. So do you think, you know, kind of with some of the rockier history and healthcare technology, has the patient actually received enough attention or has the, the patient facing side of things received enough attention and kind of development to actually encourage patients to want to use something and engage with them so that they're on the, you know, on the technology as opposed to just yeah. looking at the caregiver experience? I would say, Unquestionably, no. They have not. Um, that surprises a lot of folks. Uh, it seems like it should be self-evident that they should be the center of uh, of that care experience, and they're not. Um, it, it has been very provider-driven, right? This idea that I'm available, you may see me now, right? And by the way, however many can get in and, and that we can code, I think that's a... Um, that's been sort of the direction or the vector of a lot of that. And I think that that's a fascinating lag of the industry in general. We don't, there's no other industry that we deal with that, that hasn't ultimately had to become very, very customer focused and very customer centric, right? Even if it's something that's um, outreach for a lot of the general population, right? Like medicine would be, um, you know, financial uh, banking industry, all those kind of things. Think of the innovations and bringing that right to the palm of your hand, right to, you know, highly customer focused, customer centric, customer friendly. And yet we've sort of left healthcare out in the, hey, if you can get here, we may see you after a long wait. And, you know, by the way, if you need to see two or three things, that's going to take you weeks and, you know, a lot of appointments and routing around and everything. And so just this idea that we could put health and better health right in the palm of someone's hands and put and bring their providers into a, a relationship where they don't have to be overburdened either. Right? That's a real thing, the moral injury and burnout of physicians and their and their staff. And so to be able to take care of both sides of that, it just seems long overdue.
And I guess diving a little bit more into the to the patient side, do you think some of the lagging attention there might be driven by the fact that that's not necessarily where the money is coming from? Because it, you know, I think as we know, it's the payer market is typically the one where you're getting reimbursement, and also you know they're driving a lot of interactions. And at the same time, you know, for better or for worse, patients are a captive audience because they can't go anywhere else to receive healthcare services. They have to come into the industry. Yeah, all that's true. And and that's why I'm careful to say, you know, that what we're really after is taking care of both sides of that continuum. It, it is, unfortunately, um, you know, far too driven by who pays and how do you get paid, right? You can't, can't blame providers for that. They're not pro bono workers, right? Um, and so uh, there is that. It, it, and that's kind of what I was talking about at the beginning, where when you build sections of the care continuum and then the enabling tools that support them in a very siloed way to chase reimbursement, well, then that's what your healthcare system looks like, right? And the, and the providers are forced to work in that environment or what? Not get paid for anything they do every day, right? And then the patients are forced to just kind of fit in that, like, you know, eggs in holes, right? Um, and so you really have that driving a uh, uh, very not just inefficient, but massively impersonal situation that is that is focused on the most kind of precious part of every person, which is their own personal life. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And for those of you just joining, I'm talking with Rich Steinley of Carium and talking about you know the evolving understanding of how technology should support healthcare. And kind of to the point you're just making, Rich, of the system itself has kind of encouraged this siloed broken apart approach but as you know we're talking about now technology is also evolving to create more of a seamless experience do you think that could help advance the industry into the value side of things because it's certainly got a lot more slowly than had initially been predicted yeah and maybe that's you know i mean there's probably a lot of varying forms of the chicken or the egg argument right, there right. but now that we are getting maturing tools that actually seem to be able to fulfill the promise that's being made. Do you think that's going to help? I do. And I think you're right with the chicken and egg comment. You know, I was going to say there's a lot of push and pull there on both sides. Um, I, I think there is um, good intention, if you will, in the move to value, um, in the move to being able to care for whole person health um, and not make it on such a rigid, um, you know, fee-for-service basis. So I think the pull of that, um, requires, okay, so what on the technology side? And so, yeah, I, I really do believe that having technology like this that allows that seamless interaction, um, real-time interaction, constant trading of data and important information um, about someone's health can respond to the challenge and the call towards value. Um, and then I also think it can help push and, and make that something that more uh, in the payer community and more on the reimbursement side of healthcare and now say, okay, we can move to those kind of programs because we know folks are going to be able to, to live in that ecosystem. And so I do think there's an important push-pull there. Um, and perhaps it can begin to accelerate something that, that as you said, has lagged quite a bit. And I guess in thinking about that, how do you see the technology helping to architect that? Like, how can the technology help inform the construction of the new, newer or kind of improved relationships between patients and clinicians and arguably payers and you know other segments of the industry. Yeah, so a couple, couple thoughts there. One, to, to not get super technical on you, but 
One of the things that I found really unique about Carrium and that drew me here was that everything in the company was focused on the patient at the root of all of its modeling. So what I mean by that is that that's not actually the case with most health tech, right? Believe it or not. So it, it's focused again on what codes are appropriate for this, what portion of the care continuum is appropriate of this, what timing of a visit, all those kind of things. Instead of saying, this is a this is a human person. They have a range of conditions. They have certain uh, experiences in their life, whether it's uh, fitness, nutrition, mental health. Right? We're all we're all all of that. And so, one of the things that that patient centric model allows us to do is to say, if you need to interact with a range of providers, as an example, a range of community resources, certain family resources need to get wrapped into that. All of those things can be brought to bear on that person, regardless of state, phase, right? Those more siloed um, uh, situations in the healthcare landscape. And so I think from an architectural standpoint, that really matters. And, and that helps us proliferate those kind of models that you talked about, um, because you don't have to deal with a, a different set of code, a different technology, a different tool, regardless of where your patient sits. And I think that takes away a lot of barriers. Uh, it adds a lot of efficiency to it. Um, and that's what we're seeing with the largest payers, health systems, and providers, is they need systems that continually break down those walls. They take out complexity of the system, take out the complexity of their own organizations, of their own ecosystems, because all of that allows more time vital patient care. And as you're talking about breaking down the walls and, as you said, providing more time for the patient care, mm -hmm. what are the barriers that you're seeing that are, you know, either delaying that decision or being used to, you know, test and probe against the proposal to, sure. to create newer models? Yeah, so there's a, there's a bunch of them. Um, one is Healthcare is a sort of high-bound institution, so it doesn't stop doing things a certain way very quickly. Um, and so there, we talked about payment models. There is still an enormous amount of healthcare that's done in an old code-based fee-for-service model. There just is. And that is one of the things that puts up those walls, puts up those silos, um, and puts, you know, brings those inefficiencies into the models. So as those things transition and we have the enabling tools as we talked about to support it, all of that is to the better, but but it is slow to change. Second, there's a fog we talk about of these solutions. So they're not all going away just because someone like Carrium created a more comprehensive platform. And so there's a lot of confusion in the market. There's an enormous glut of tools, technologies, choices. Um, so that makes for a very uncommon common architecture. And um, so that causes a lot of difficulty in transferring data, getting the right data, remote, you know, getting accuracy in all of the different points uh, of care for a, for a patient, um, data silos and islands and those sorts of things, you know, lack of integration when you have a lot of technology like that. So I would say that's kind of the fog of solutions there. And, um, you know, and then finally, 
a lot of fiscal constraints right now, massive uh, fiscal constraints, particularly in the health system uh, arena. The, the pandemic was brutal to a lot of, um, you know, to a lot of folks' P&L and balance sheet, and they're recovering from that, frankly. And you can't just wish your way out of it. So um, there's a lot of strain, a lot of reticence to take on new things, even if they have a long-term uh, promise of, you know, reducing some of those things, reducing cost and complexity. Um, there's sort of a trepidation there and just uh, an inability to um, to go go off in new directions when, you know, sort of, okay, well, at least the bell is rung. You know, to this extent, with our old, uh, with our old processes and systems, and kind of given the challenges that you just mentioned of just the the economic market, both of recovering from what happened during the pandemic and whatever might be happening in the economy now with some tightening, how do you go about then explaining the return that someone could get, or the, or not even just the return, but the opportunities to grow and benefit from yeah. breaking down the barriers and implementing this broader care experience and do you have any examples that can help illustrate the benefits that you get out of it sure uh, so it's a great question and it's very very real a lot of folks we talk to say you know if you can't come with a very immediate near-term roi we can't even have the conversation and so i think you have to be able to do two things one is you you do have to be able to directly take costs out of their system and how they're doing their work right now. And whether that is dramatically improving productivity of their staff, as an example, um, so that they don't have to hire any new, and they may be able even to shift certain resources you know, other to other key tasks. Um, that's something that's very real, very immediate. You have to be able to prove it and show it. I'll give you an example of that. We have uh, some clients that have reported to us that they've received a five to one increase in productivity of their nurse navigation staff. Well, that's a real number with real dollars attached to it that allow them to, again, either shift some of those folks to other types of care um, and not hire a bunch of new resources and or um, potentially even get rid of some that they had to burst up uh, in, you know, into coverage and those sorts of things. Um, there's other things, uh, you know, reducing real financial penalties. Um, we have studies that have shown we've reduced uh, readmissions in some of our hospital clients by up to 50%. We've reduced length of stay by 20%. Those are real dollars. You know, everybody knows what the standards are for those things, and those are real cost savings. And so the implementation of technology that can show that kind of return, right, isn't really a cost net. And so that's really important. The other thing is on the top line for folks and to really be able to say, okay, it, it isn't just a nice thing when you can engage your patient more regularly, more thoroughly, more accurately. Um, it actually drives business to the providers. And so, you know, because you're able to engage a person like that and their health gets so much better, you know, you, you retain customers. Um, and it sounds funny to say with patients, but it's important where they get their health care needs met. And so we're able to dramatically improve the ability for them to care for folks and then new opportunities for them to care for folks. Right? And we expand their service lines. And then finally, the reach of their service lines. Right? And so if, if we help a hospital be top in the region in COPD or CHF or you know, cardiac care, then that's a business driver for them. 
right? When they get known for, no one takes as good a care of their patients as this particular facility. Well, that's a business strategy. And while you don't want folks to get sick, I mean, that's what they're in the business of healing. And so that becomes incredibly important as uh, a driver on both sides of that equation for our patients. Yeah, so it seems like it's fair to say that it's, you know, I'm sorry for our customers. Yeah, but it, it, I mean, I think it's fair to say then, kind of given the current market climate, it's hopefully going to be removing a lot of the hype that health tech has seen and really honing in on what's the reality and what can you actually deliver immediately as opposed to maybe the, what has been the prior experience of, I'm going to buy this tech tool and it'll be ready to actually meet what is being told to me it can be done in like six months as opposed to right now, right out of the box. Yeah, I think, you know, I always say in healthcare, saviors are in short supply. Um, there's a lot of talk about that, but I, I really think you're right that this can't be a, if you do this, here's the future promise. I, I think the industry right now just doesn't have time for that argument. So I, I'll go back to, right, immediate or near-term direct measurable ROI, I think is important for our, uh, for our customers. And there's two ways... There are kind of two sides of that house that I'll re-reference. One is real measurable health outcomes for the patients and real measurable organizational improvements on the side of the you know of the care provider. If you don't have those measurables, then I think you're lost in the, you know, the hope is not a strategy game. Uh, if you have those measurables and you continue to prove those to the organizations that you serve, to me, that's what changes. Yeah. So and I think that's going to unfortunately have to lead us into a final question because we're, believe it or not, we're already almost out of time. So kind of given everything that we've talked about, what's your biggest prediction for what's coming for the healthcare industry in the next year? Yeah, I'll just go back to something I said before and say, I believe that the patient will come into much, much sharper focus um, and truly engaged as the focus of healthcare, not something to be chased. Right? Not something to be billed, but really the focus of why we do this um, and why the customers that we support um, wanted to be care caregivers in the first place. Yeah, no, I certainly hope we get to see that happen. But as I said, believe it or not, we are already out of time. So I want to thank my guest, Rich Steinley, for a great conversation today. Thanks, Matt. Great to be with you. And thank you to everyone listening. Keep the dialogue going and connect with me at hashtag H-C-B-E-J-U-R-E. I'm Matt Fisher. Until next time.